This is the Publix Radio. As part of our One Square Mile series featuring Pawtucket, we held a community conversation at the Slater Mill Museum. The Publix Radio political analyst Scott McKay was the host for the conversation that took place on April 25th. Joining me this evening, Gene Boyle, Director of Commerce for the City here in Pawtucket. Herb Weiss, who is the Economic and Cultural Affairs Officer and someone very much devoted to bringing the arts to this city. And Jack Partridge, Senior Counsel for Partridge, Snow, and Han, Pawtucket a native, well-known lawyer in town, and also a trustee and co-founder of the Pawtucket Foundation. So we do see Pawtucket once again here at a crossroads. And let's just start with some opening thoughts from you. We'll start from left to right. Gene, what do you think? Well, I think that it's important to realize that cities, all cities, are in transition, and it's a good thing to be in transition. I think that change is also opportunity. Uh, I think that this is a, these are exciting times for the city of Pawtucket. Uh, we have so many um, things to build upon here in Pawtucket. We're sitting in one of the most um, historic structures probably in the entire state of Rhode Island, and this is really um, reminiscent of, of everything that um, it's iconic for Pawtucket. This is about innovation. This is about taking chances. This is about really the spirit of Pawtucket. And this just really resonates throughout everything that we do here in the city. Um, I really think that these are great times for the city of Pawtucket. We have uh, innovative uh, manufacturers that are here. We, I was just talking to one of our, our local makers who's just coming up with fabulous ideas to do new things in, in, in our, our mill buildings. We also are sitting right next to the river. We have some amazing natural features here in Pawtucket that we're trying to capitalize on that at one time we really didn't take advantage of to the extent that we did. And the historic structures that we've got, the locational advantages, we're just really building upon them now, and these, I think, are really some of the brightest times for Pawtucket that are just going to get better. So I, I'm so excited about what we've got now. Well, that's very, very upbeat, Gene. Thank you very much. Jack, take a look at a historical uh, view of Pawtucket. You've been here for a long time. Again, Pawtucket's at a crossroads, and I'm sure this is not the first time that you've seen this. This is not the first time. And when I grew up here back in the 40s and 50s and really into the 60s, it was a, a thriving community, but it was based on industrial might. And that, as we've learned, is no longer the case. Pawtucket's been a commercial center, however, during all of that time, residential and commercial. And when you look at the larger companies in this city, they are commercial. Hasbro is really commercial. It's not industrial anymore. Colette is a travel company, international travel company. Uh, Pet Foods has 230 people right next door here. Those are all commercial organizations. They're not manufacturing. They're industrial in some sense, but they're not manufacturing. But in that context, let me just go back to the 40s and 50s when we lost a very important sports center. We lost the jewel of racetracks in the, in the 40s and 50s. So it isn't the first time we've lost something that relates to sports and was identified nationally. I can still remember as a young kid on Newport Avenue, not able to cross the street because the traffic coming from Massachusetts down the street to the Narragansett Park was so heavy. My mother used to say, you can't cross Newport Avenue, not on a weekend. You just can't do it. 
So we've been there, and we've done it, and you all know that Narragansett Park today is a very successful industrial manufacturing service and distribution center, together with uh, you know, uh, various stores and, and shopping centers. Very, very successful. But it was the plains and it was the pits back then, and it's no longer that being the case. So I think we've got a long way to go. I think we are at a tipping point, more on that later. But I think we have the ability to do something about that among ourselves. And thank you very much, Jack. And Herb, uh, you've been at the forefront of some efforts to fill up some of these older mill buildings with a new generation of artists and smaller entrepreneurs. And I'm wondering also, uh, you've been spearheading a big arts festival that's become known around the region. What do you see as the future and how arts can become an economic fulcrum for Pawtucket? Well, I bet... I've been uh, working in the trenches for over 20 years, and uh, Pawtucket has a secret. The secret is its mills. Newport has its beaches. Providence has Peapack or Trinity, but we have our mills, lots of them. And they're jam-packed with artists. Um, Over the last 20 years, we've had 11 mills that have been uh, renovated uh, for live work lofts, uh, bringing in over 800 residents, adding over a million dollars into our city coffers. We have 500 or 600 people working in mills, and, and a lot of the mills are probably 97 to 98% filled. So we have been utilizing mills to attract artists into our city. We're off of 95, so we're 45 minutes from Boston. Ten minutes from Providence, we have the most exits. They, they say we have the most exits between here and Florida. Um, so we have we have in and out in, into our uh, city uh, through Interstate 95. So what we're trying to do is to continue building on the arts and attracting artists and creative sector companies. But we also have a large manufacturing base, um, according to um, a national publication that um, pulls together data on uh, um, manufacturing. Um, Pawtucket's number three um, in regards to having um, Newport is the first, um, has the most manufacturing uh, employees. Providence is second. Pawtucket's uh, third. We have more than Cranston, uh, Warwick, or any other uh, city um, in the state, so manufacturing is still uh, an important sector in the city. Thanks an awful lot, Herb. One of the things I'd like you all to explore is, and this we've seen historically, and Jack, I'd like you to chime in here, perhaps even first. Cities like Pawtucket used to have their own identity, their own shopping centers, uh, their own uh, churches and social ethnic organizations. Now, there's still some of that, but For instance, as far as commerce goes, you know, my dad was in the textile business, and he used to say, "Uh, where are you going today, Dad, if he was on a sales trip and he sold curtains and draperies? Well, I'm going to Pawtucket because Schartenberg's is a very good customer. And you would have uh, department stores in places like Pawtucket, and it was more of a retail center and kind of a self-concentrated place with its own identity. We had a lot of cities like this in New England. And I'm wondering, do we see Pawtucket's future nowadays more as, as Herb just mentioned, uh, proximity, a bedroom for Providence, 
even perhaps a bedroom for Boston. Uh, what do you think the future lies for the city's identity? Well, I think the city's identity is going to remain with the people of the city. And I think as both Herb and Gene have indicated, that is really the heart of what we do. The, uh, we don't have those same organizations anymore. We don't have all of the church activities we used to have. We don't have some of the, of the uh, social-type uh, activities that we used to have. But we still have major social entities such as the Boys and Girls Club and the Y in particular that serve a great population in, in this area. But more particularly, with regard to whether or not we're going to simply be uh, a place where people come and and stay overnight before they get on the train or they get on the bus or they drive someplace else. I think that's the, uh, one of the focal points that uh, I know the Pawtucket Foundation is very interested in. We want to have a place here in the city where those folks have a place to go at night. A very good example of that, quite frankly, is the guild that, uh, that was recently established in hopes to have well over uh, 500,000 visitors this year. Two years ago, no one could even have thought about having a place like the Guild where brews from all over the country are actually being, uh, being uh, filled as we speak. It's a great place. No one thought it was going to work except, among other things, our mayor, who did think it was going to work and worked diligently, particularly with Senator Reed and others, to make it happen. That's the kind of thing that we have to have in the city. In a way, we had it with the poor Sox, but God bless them. They're on their way. They're not going to be here. I don't know if there will be something else that will fill that stadium. Quite frankly, I'm not even sure that's even the right idea. I like some of the ideas I've heard from the URI about housing and manufacturing and whatnot. But if it is, it's another place to go. And that's also part of identity. The Guild is now part of the identity. This place is part of the identity. We just have to keep that identity separate, apart, and not get lost. And quite frankly, every once in a while, we get lost in the state. I think a pretty good example of that, in some respects at least, was the, was the poor Sox debacle. That, unfortunately, was really a question of when and how and could it happen. Maybe it never could have happened. But you know what? This city, unlike any other place that I could think of in Rhode Island, we don't have a single state entity here. We don't have any office buildings here for the state. We don't have any facilities for the state. Cranston's got a prison. Someone else has got the DMV. Everybody else has something. We don't have that. We start off with that as an issue in my, in my, my, my thinking. The state ought to look at Pawtucket as a real opportunity to do something for the Blackstone Valley, for the people that live here, as well as for the rest of the state. We are a great investment opportunity, in my view, and the state ought to be with us all the way on that and not, quite frankly, be any way inhibited. When we go through this process, perhaps with the, uh, with the, with the hospital, that whole process has got to focus, in my judgment, on the people of Pawtucket. What does Pawtucket need in terms of a hospital, a, a, a facility of that nature? What else can be done there? It's a great facility. I was the president, I'm sorry, chairman of the board back in 2000, and I know what we put into it, and I know it's still there physically. We've got to make sure that the state doesn't feel that it can simply ignore that issue. That's a Pawtucket issue. But those are the things that, that really have to happen. And I think it can happen. I think we are at a tipping point. If they don't happen in the next two years, we're going to have some real problems. But with the new train station, hopefully with the, the other things that are, are happening that I'm no, I know we're going to hear about in just a minute, uh, I think we, we're on our way. We can't afford, however, to miss these next 24 months. 
I think, Gene, you want to chime in on that? Yeah, one thing I'd just like to comment on, and um, I was having a conversation with some folks um, from out of state, and they were, ta- they were commenting on the parochialism of Rhode Island, and, um, and, and in a negative way. But I think that... <laughs> But I, and I was actually arguing the, the opposite, that I think that one of the things that I really think I love about Rhode Island is our sense of, of place and our sense of connection. And I think that whether somebody is a, a transplant to, to Pawtucket or whether you're a multi-generational um, resident of Pawtucket, what we have going for us and what people are seeking when they're trying to, to live in a place or even work in a place is the sense of authenticity. And this is what Pawtucket has in spades. We have the historic buildings. We have historic pla- We have authentic places, whether it's the mill buildings, whether it's the downtown, which obviously you know still needs some, some work. Work, and whether it's the um, natural places that I'm talking about. And that's what people crave. And whether or not we're going to bring them in via um, commuter rail or those five exits that, um, that, that Herb referred to, I think that's what, one of the things that we have going for us, is that this has a certain specialness about it. And I think that's the type of thing that we have to build upon, and that's going to attract people. And I think that people will respond to that. There is not that sense of sameness here in Pawtucket. We stand out, and we need to build upon that. I've always thought that one of the beauties of New England, and particularly Rhode Island, is you go around the country, and we're one of the last rooted parts of the country. New England, I'd say the deep south, parts of the Midwest, where people like yours truly were hatched, matched. My wife's here tonight. And I'll probably be dispatched right here in Rhode Island. So... You know, from uh, from uh, lying in hospital to my memorial service. And I'm just wondering, I know that we do honor the past here in New England. We honor it in Pawtucket. And I'm wondering, Herb, how do you think uh, we can use this? As Jean just mentioned, the authenticity. Can we use the parochialism and provincialism and the neighborliness, for lack of a better term, to try to sell Pawtucket to people who don't want to live in an anywhere else USA, like somewhere like Orlando, which I was visiting recently, and I thought reminded me of Bald Hill Road with palm trees. Um, well, I can safely tell you this. That, um, I used to tell this to the former uh, mayor, James E. Doyle. I used to say Pawtucket was like Mayberry, a small town. He would roll his eyes. But it's really true. Everybody sort of knows everybody in Pawtucket. We're the fourth largest um, city in the state, but we have a small town type of um, attitude and atmosphere. Um, So that um, is good. And when I run into people um, all over the state who are no longer from Pawtucket, but they're um, former residents of Pawtucket or they were born in Pawtucket, um, they have a love for the city that is very strong. I'm on the Pawtucket Hall of Fame committee and so we've honored people over the years um, who have made Pawtucket a better place to live, bringing up kids, supported charities in the community. So I've had an opportunity to talk a lot of people, a lot a lot of those people from Pawtucket. They um, will never forget Pawtucket, it's in their heart. Um, I think that um, Pawtucket's a, a real easy place to deal with being a small town type of atmosphere. Uh, we have a 
our bureauc- we don't have a real bureaucracy in our city. Uh, Mayor Grubbean rolls out the red carpet, and uh, when people come to our department, uh, you definitely don't see, need um, appointments uh, to see us if we're not in a meeting or on the phone. And I could uh, safely tell you when Pawtucket used to be in the Boston Globe a lot, I would every time it appeared an article, I would get um, lots of phone calls from Boston saying, "I want to come to Pawtucket. Can you see me and show me the spaces?" And I say, "Sure, come down today." They're sort of surprised because when they were in Boston and they wanted to deal with city government, it would take a week to get an appointment. So yeah, try that in Cambridge, right? Uh, probably uh, Cambridge. Uh, that might have been one of the places, but um, I really think that. Uh, Pawtucket is um, a real laid-back town. You're listening to a conversation hosted by the Community Advisory Board of the Public's Radio. This is part of our series, One Square Mile Pawtucket. You can hear the rest of the stories in the series on our website, thepublicsradio.org slash Pawtucket. The program will continue in just a moment. The Publix Radio is expanding our arts and culture coverage with Artscape becoming weekly, where you'll get to hear about upcoming performances, festivals, and new exhibits in the area. We'll talk with musicians, designers, artists, authors, and more, and we want to hear from you. Let us know about an upcoming arts or cultural event at thepublixradio.org slash arts. That's thepublixradio.org slash A-R-T-S. You know, it's really interesting. Pawtucket is a city of neighborhoods still, and I would argue that. It probably always has been, but the city does face challenges, and there's some things I don't want to sugarcoat because, again, the hospital's closed, the GAM is gone, and the Paw Sox, we all know about, through no fault of anyone in Pawtucket, I would argue. In fact, even the owners, who will not say this about the State House, but they did say the Pawtucket city government was very cooperative and tried to help them. However, on the offing, uh, we see Hasbro, this iconic company that's called Pawtucket Home Forever. And, you know, the Boston Globe just had a story the other day, John Chesto, who follows this stuff pretty closely for the Globe, saying that, once again, Massachusetts sees a company that is very creative. Again, as Jack mentioned, they're not an industrial company anymore. They're really... This new economy type of company, they're into the design business, and they really aren't making things here. I think the last thing they made in Rhode Island was Play-Doh. We all grew up with Play-Doh, right? And they had a factory in Central Falls. They closed that, I believe, back in the 90s. And so I'm wondering um, just what the city's doing to keep Hasbro. For instance, Gene, when's the last time you and the mayor sat down with with, uh, Mr. Goldner, who's the CEO? Well, the city has reached out to Hasbro on numerous occasions in the last several months. But when's the last time you, you had a... I have not... Uh, we sat down with Mr. Goldner approximately six months ago. We have met with his other real estate um, professionals and other um, high-ranking officials at Hasbro since then. We have offered to them different um, locations within Pawtucket where, the, as, where they could actually 
meet their expansion needs and have also worked in cooperation with the Department of Commerce as to how we could actually put together some financial packages that would meet their needs. So we, were, um, we think we are in the running if um, Hasbro chooses to um, move from their location on Newport Avenue and come to um, a different location that requires expansion. Um, so yeah, so we're we're in we're in the running, we're in the game. Um, obviously, it's a private company, and they're going to make the decision that's going to be best for their shareholders. But we do think that Pawtucket is a location that has all of those attributes that they're looking for. They're looking, at, you know, we absolutely acknowledge that they're not a manufacturing company anymore. This is a creative company; it's an entertainment company. But one of the things that we've got, one of the many things that we've got going for us, is that we have this. Um, in our DNA of Pawtucket is, uh, is innovation, is creativity, and is also risk-taking. So this is the, the type of environment that they're looking for for their employees and their employees of the future. We also have to make sure that we create an environment where they can attract those types of creative employees. So the quality of life that we create in the environment around them in Pawtucket is also going to be very important. I mean, I um, referenced before that type of um, authenticity and in, in trying to get away from the sameness. They don't want to be out in some sort of um, you know, bland indu- you know, corporate park a- in the suburbs. We've got a lot of those things that they were looking for, and we've, we need to build upon that. Having the commuter rail is one of the pluses that we've got. Making sure that we revitalize our downtown so that there are things that their employees are able to do. So we are actively working with them, and we're also actively trying to build the additional infrastructure and have that in place so that Pawtucket is that, envi- that overall environment for the Hasbro of the future. You know, one of the things that Jack mentioned, and let's not kid ourselves, this has been true. You look around at airport expansion in Warwick. You look around at the convention center uh, in Providence, the takeover of the Dunkin' Donuts Center. You look at all the state has done uh, for other parts of Rhode Island, and you'd kind of have to think that Pawtucket's got a little bit of the short stick. And I'm just wondering, when it comes to Hasbro, how do you feel the cooperation has been uh, from Governor Raimondo's administration, Commerce Secretary Pryor? I, I think the cooperati- cooperation has been good. We've had constant conversations with them, and I also think that we're trying to, I mean, obviously the city does not have the economic tools available on its own. This is going to have to be done in partnership with, with the state. And we have been working with them to try to see how we can combine forces and provide those economic tools. I guess one of the other big questions quickly is when you talk with them, what are they looking for? What sense do you get from the top brass at Hasbro as to what it would take them to stay here and what elements are they looking for? Is it an educated workforce? Is it a new building? Is it some tax breaks? Uh, I think I alluded to those already. I mean, what they're looking for is they're looking for an environment that will attract the young, creative employees of the future. So it has to be more than just a building. They do have some design requirements as far as a building. I mean, certainly that's that's going to be very critical. And we know that we have um, locations in Pawtucket, and we've actually provided um, 
sort of conceptual plans that actually show that we can accommodate that here in Pawtucket. But it's more than just a building. It's also providing the, the environment that's going to be attractive to the types of new employees that they're looking to retain and also bring in. So having um, things like bicycle paths, riverfront locations, um, other types of uses such as, such as the breweries that, uh, that um, Herb was talking about, restaurants, uh, creative sector, those are the types of things. They don't want to be an island uh, in and of themselves. The other thing that's also important is going to be that commuter rail because we expect that they're going to also be drawing from the employment base beyond Rhode Island and also drawing from folks in the, the Boston area. So it's there. They we know what they're looking for, and it's more than just a building itself. Jack, what are some of the lessons from the past? One thing about Pawtucket, if you look at its history, running through it like the river, is some resilience. <laughs> We've seen this with uh, successive generations. What I call the ethnic waltz of immigration that's really defined cities like Pawtucket, uh, the state of Rhode Island, and frankly, much of New England. What are some of the lessons from the past that you think we ought to apply to the future? Well, let me see if I can, I can address that in a sort of an oblique way. Um, I want to deal with the transportation issues and, and sort of back into that. Um, if you look at Pawtucket's history, and I'm just saying the last 50 years to make it simple because Scott's gone through the history in a beautiful way and makes it understandable to everyone. The backbone really has always been families. It's always been families and the small business person and the small manufacturer. They're the one, they're, those are the folks who really made the city. We'd like to talk about all the big achievements of all the big uh, industrial sites that were here, many of which are no longer here. But also, it wasn't just that. It was the small entrepreneur. More recently, we've found that the, uh, the artistic community uh, really started off with uh, Morris Nathanson and my good friend to the right. But quite frankly, that was something brand new. No one in Rhode Island had come up with a way to deal with the arts community. We had a wonderful RISD museum downtown, and the artists didn't have a place to be. So we gave them a place in Pawtucket. The first time that I'm aware of that people said, oh, that's something really new about Pawtucket. It's all over the country. People are talking about the city of Pawtucket and what it did. It's that kind of thing that happens. It was a, it were the folks who moved in, took a, an idea, and, and marshaled the support for it. And they've always had, in my judgment, good support from the city, from the city. I want to make that point because we've had, more recently, two wonderful mayors in that regard. They were supportive of the city and entrepreneurs in the city. And, of course, the city council is important in that regard as well. So that's one thing. That resilience comes from the small business person who stayed here. Whether or not their children went to the school here or not, they stayed here. And they uh, stay here until they go to Florida or some other, some other place in the winter because we all know winters are winters up here. So that's one thing. The other thing that I think was, to me, has always been important is that people come back here. Now, I'm, you know, getting on in a few years, and I can tell you all of the people that I know that went to school here, who had businesses here, who are in Florida and Arizona today, they come back here. As a matter of fact, the other day, uh, a dear friend of mine, a dear client of mine, she's in our 80s now, and we were talking about this event and about the fact that, you know, we're going to do a podcast on this, on the event, and she said, 
All the best people come from Rhode Island, from, from Pawtucket, rather, <laughs> from Pawtucket. All the best people come from Pawtucket. And she meant that in a very sincere way, that in fact they, those folks were here to create something. They created it for their families. They created it for their friends. They created it for their churches, their societies and whatnot. And they are still here. They maybe have different vowels at the end of their names, but in fact they're still here and they're still building. We're still building, and that's the important part, still building. Resilience comes from building, in my, in my thought. You know, there's always been some art folks from Pawtucket. We think of the fabulous Pulitzer Prize-winning poet Galway Cannell, uh, who you, some of you are familiar with. Sure. He kind of made his uh, fame more in Vermont uh, when he lived up there, but if you look at his poems, uh, Seekonk Woods, they're very much informed by growing up here in this Pawtucket. And I'm just wondering, Herb, as we look ahead from leveraging arts for the economy, you were looking at an age where automation is going to be coming in. Uh, we're looking at artificial intelligence, things like this. How does Pawtucket and how does the arts community fit in with this? How do you not only cope with this, but how do you use this to thrive? Um, it all, like you say, it all gets back uh, to our uh, mills. And uh, in regards to technology, we are bringing in a lot of uh, website designers and internet companies, um, architects uh, into into our city. And uh, we try to go after these companies through our loan program. We have a small um, loan program, um, PBDC, Pawtucket Business Development Corporation. Um, so we have been really trying to reach out to people um, in the mills and places um, to uh, help them grow their businesses. Um, the businesses in our city and in the mills are small businesses, one or two-person businesses. When you go to Hope Artis Village, um, it used to have 650 employees. Well, now you have maybe 150 to 200 small companies with one or two employees. Um, so we definitely are trying to work with these people. And uh, we are seeing uh, technological uh, companies coming in. We just had one uh, relocate from Middletown that, did, uh, that does cyber security. Um, and they just... Um, Relocated to Morris Nathanson's Mill on Exchange Street um, with about 10 to 15 employees. So we are um, getting um, a reputation for um, being a place for these companies. One other thing I'm going to ask quickly about, I think Gene can help here too, is we hear all over the state there's a problem with affordable housing. And Pawtucket would seem to some of us to be poised to do pretty well in this area with young couples, people looking to buy that first home because you still have some affordable housing stock and old housing stock. Well, affordable housing is certainly a, a very challenging issue. I was actually on a, a panel yesterday at Brown. Um, Pawtucket does have some of the most affordable in what we re refer to as the small a affordable uh, housing in the state of Rhode Island. So I think that has been a, a great source of us being able to attract um, folks and actually keep folks here in Pawtucket. They're not being driven out by, by gentrification. There has been some concern recently that perhaps with the advent of the new commuter rail that the rents are going to rise. 
and that we maybe have a, a situation where um, some of the existing residents may be, be driven out. Um, the city has actually, though, been, I think, been at the forefront to some extent, but working with a lot of the uh, housing nonprofits and actually creating new housing opportunities using the federal funds that we have available to us. But I do think that that's going to be kind of the, the flip side of a lot of the um, progress that Pawtucket is making is that we are going to see some um, pressures on housing. I'd like to also emphasize, though, that Pawtucket has been a community that welcomes new development. The fact that we have over the, over 500 um, multifamily housing units in the pipeline is really remarkable. I don't think that other than perhaps the city of Providence, you're going to find that amount of housing production, and that's actually welcomed. So I think that we really are a model to the other communities in the state of Rhode Island. Jack? Well, let me add on a couple of vignettes on that. I was actually born in Central Falls. I have to say that, first of all. <laughs> My mother was in emergency at the Notre Dame Hospital, and the next day I was taken to Memorial Hospital. So I, I was actually born in Central Falls and had my – and I look at Central Falls in a way perhaps differently than others. I really think it's a sister city. And I think that the present mayor in particular has indicated that you can run Central Falls as a successful city. And the fact that uh, Central Falls and Pawtucket are united in making this train station and the, and the transit-oriented district a reality is, is remarkable. It really is remarkable. shows great cooperation between the two city councils and, and the two mayors. There are issues, however, that relate to that. The first has to be, are we going to have enough parking for that station? I'm not sure we really have enough parking at the moment for that station, and we need state support in that regard. And and uh, while they've been great in many ways, for some reason parking isn't high on their priorities. We are going to have, hopefully have, a new transit station for the buses. Uh, that's been in the works for a couple of years, and now they've got the plans, and now they're moving forward, and they're going to coordinate it with the train station. That means a lot to anybody coming into this city, such as a Hasbro, or, or, or wants to stay in the city like a Hasbro, or is thinking about moving a business because, in fact, that people are coming from other places. They simply, they simply will. And also, it, it requires both cities to look at reality as to who invests in all that property. Right now, that those properties over there do not pay a lot of taxes. They just don't. There has to be long-term tax treaties for those entities who are going to go in there. Otherwise, they're not going to go in there. They're going to have to go up to 20 years because that's the way the investments are all scheduled under this opportunity zone. That's very important for the city councils to understand. And we all know affordable housing is important for families and for, for non-families. That uh, has to be part of, part of the mix. But as Jane uh, points out, we have now affordable housing. But the trouble is affordable housing is expensive for the average person. It just simply is. It's affordable in the sense of where you are, but it's still very expensive. We've got to work that out, but that's really a state-level issue, not just the Pawtucket and Central Falls issue. So I've always wondered, though, when you look at Central Falls, really is one square mile. Uh, that's how we got the name for this series, because our first one square mile when we started the series, I believe nine years ago, was, sure enough, Central Falls. And I'm wondering, you know, why there even is two separate cities. Wouldn't it be better to have Central Falls and Pawtucket one city instead of having two fire dispatchers, two fire chiefs, creative way to save some money? 
Would that be a good idea, Jack? Well, they had a referendum about, I think, about 15 years on ago. On the schools, yes. Yeah, on the schools, and it just got turned down. People said, no, no, there's self-identification. Parochial, maybe, but it's self-identification. Boy, we love that in Rhode Island, we, don't we? we? We love it. We don't want to give that up. I'm from Central Falls. Okay, well, I was only there for a day, but I'm from Central Falls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everybody in Rhode Island says we should regionalize and save money and do all these things with consolidation. But then when you get down to specifics, no, I want my high school. I went to Shea or, you know, I went to classical in Providence and we want our local institutions. And so that seems to be a roadblock as far as saving money. On the other hand, it does lead to a certain, as you say, authenticity or charm. Uh, just wondering, Herb, what do you see as the next iteration for what you do, which again is trying to get artists and leverage some of those folks to come to Pawtucket, plant down roots, and grow uh, the economy here? Okay. Um, it's, it's all word of mouth. For like uh, 20 years, uh, people have been coming to Pawtucket because they read about us in the newspaper, and I'll give you an example. There is a New York sculpture sculptor named Mikhail. He lives in Mineral Spring Avenue. He's in his 90s. He read an article in the New York Times um, coming uh, going home to Upper State New York is two o'clock in the morning, and the only um, newspaper that was on the seat was the section with the article about Pawtucket. He ultimately relocated to Pawtucket because of that article. Now, who is Mikhail? He actually sculpted uh, uh, um, a bull elephant at the United Nations building. It was bought by three, it was paid for by three African countries, and they gifted it to the United Nations. That is Mikhail. We need to get the word out in the newspapers. Um, We don't need to put ads in the newspapers. We need to get the articles in the newspapers about Pawtucket's the place to be for artists. The uh, city has always been um, artist-friendly through getting them through the regulatory process. In my 20 years, I've actually even um, had an opportunity when an artist has had an issue with a landlord. I sort of like try to negotiate between the landlord and the artist um, to uh, mediate an issue. Um, I was pretty successful on, on that. But uh, we, we can't forget the um, ways we have always brought artists into our town, the dog and pony show, as I would say. When somebody shows up at my door, I'll spend four or five hours taking them around town, introducing them to people, sort of like small town type of um, action. Um, I always, of course, take them to Morris Nathanson's place and uh, to talk to them. So we, we, we need to um, get it's, – it's, it's, we walk our talk, and, and it gets out to the community. That is how we're going to continue to attract artists, and we have to promote our mills, which are our major assets. We have probably the most uh, – probably real affordable um, rents in Pawtucket when you compare Pawtucket to the Boston area and, and other areas in uh, Rhode Island, and we promote our location those now we have a commuter rail uh, to uh, promote and uh, downtown what's happening in the downtown um, we have um, actually at this time three purchase and sales on buildings in the downtown that were vacant uh, for a year a year or two and one building 
that had been vacant for 10 or 15 years was bought. The Beswick building is being renovated. So we're actually seeing um, activity in our, in our downtown. Um, and we hope to get restaurants. We hope to get places where the um, uh, residents in the city and the lofts that are surrounding uh, the downtown that can come and, and have a place uh, to eat, to mingle. Um, so we're working hard on it. Yes, that's great. I'm wondering, though, how you can leverage more restaurants. Providence has done very, very well, as we know, uh, with the idea of bringing in more eateries. It's become known uh, around the East Coast and around New England, certainly as a foodie town. Uh, how does Pawtucket do that? One of the things people used to say about the GAM, which I loved it when it was here, You'd go to the GAM, you'd see a great show, but there was nowhere around the GAM either to have a nice dinner before the theater or to go out and have a coffee uh, or a beer after the theater. So how do we leverage and get more folks to bring this great food culture that we have in Rhode Island right here to Pawtucket? Well, let me try on that one, uh, Scott. I represent a number of restaurants and in Rhode Island, none in, none in Pawtucket. And I can tell you the first thing they want to know is what's the traffic? What's the traffic going to be? Will there be activities surrounding the place? Now, it's one thing if you're uh, Twin Oaks and you've been in Cranston for 60 years or you have the hill. That's a whole different genre, so to speak. But for the restaurants, they need to have more than one. Always has to have more than one. Number two, they need the traffic. Number three, people have to feel safe when they go to their cars coming in from some other place, or it has to be walkable. Those are the things they look at. Then they can find the right you know, ethnic food or the right cooking or whatever it might be, and you can attract those kind of people to open restaurants. For some pe- reason, people like to open restaurants. I never understood that because one out of five <laughs> goes under in no time, but they want to do it. And here we have Johnson & Wales. Johnson & Wales was very, very interested for a period of time of coming into the city and doing some culinary work. Remember those days, Herb? We worked with them for a long period of time. They decided to go someplace else for reasons having nothing to do with our location. But always it comes down in the restaurant business is will there be people available? Will they feel safe? Is there some other place for them to go? And so you're absolutely right. That's a focal point. Would an incubator like Hope in Maine and Warren help? Well, that's the kind of thing we were thinking about. And actually, that's one of the places that they ended up supporting, as you, as you know, which was a little disappointing to those of us who worked on it. But, you know, people are going to make decisions for, for many, many different reasons. You take a look at what we have at the Hope Artis Village. I think everybody here knows about the Hope Artis Village. Okay? That was a candy factory. And before that, it was Hope Webbing, where they manufactured uh, webbing for the armed services. A guy comes in from out of town. He hears about historical tax credits in Rhode Island. He says, I meet him. He says, show me Pawtucket. So I showed him Pawtucket, and I showed him Herb. That was enough. He was sold after Herb. He was. He was sold after Herb. So we ended up taking a building with 100,000 square feet plus 130,000 square feet in terrible shape treacle on the floor so that when you walked on the floor, your feet actually actually stuck to the floor. That's how bad it was. Uh, a fire disaster coming. It was just really terrible. But through a combination of his own money and bank loans and whatnot, he produced this wonderful facility that's out there now that you know people come from all over the state, in fact, in Massachusetts in particular, come to our farmer's market there as an example. But the, but the real... F- 
treated the whole thing is that how many people actually live and work there. And now there's 147 units going on just behind it. So there's 147 units of new housing, uh, and basically it's the smaller housing units that are going to attract you know, smaller families, that kind of thing, that can actually pump up that other facility. That's what you have to have. You have to have that traffic, the idea that these things can be done, and they can be done in a manner that doesn't cost you your entire life savings. You're listening to One Square Mile Pawtucket, a community conversation. Our reporters produced more than a dozen stories about Pawtucket for the series. You can find them all at thepublicsradio.org slash Pawtucket. Our program will continue in just a moment. Stay tuned for On Point at 8 o'clock. I'm Tori Malatia, CEO of The Publix Radio, and I'd like to invite you to our Spring Gala in Newport on May 20th. I'll be on stage talking with Alex Bloomberg. He got his start on This American Life and went on to host and produce Planet Money. He's now the CEO of Gimlet Media, which brought us Crime Town. It's a chance to meet the person who's creating the Netflix of audio. More information about tickets at thepublicsradio.org slash gala. We'd like to open up the conversation to everyone here. So please feel free to share your thoughts, your comments, and your questions. This is going to be our community portion. We've got a microphone right here. So please, we know you're not shy. We know you all have opinions about the city and about our series. Thank you very much. Just tell us who you are, and your comment is welcome. Um, my name is Diana Kushner, and I'm not from Pawtucket. My question is, I'm wondering, maybe for her, but for everyone, um, did your phone start ringing again with more artists coming to visit, one, wanting to live in Pawtucket after the latest One Square Mile um, episodes? No. Okay, and um, was, a follow-up, but, but why? City, why? What did we do? What, what did the radio station not include? What should they have done? Um, well, I, I'm always getting um, calls um, for artists, but I didn't see dozens of calls. I really wish it would have happened, and Scott McKay and his radio station put together a, a great week series about our city. It captured a lot of things. Uh, it's it just it's like being at the right place at the right time um i'm not sure but um but, but this is going to be on the radio and on the internet so all the artists all around the world especially in rhode island come to Pawtucket and call herb weiss <laughs> well oh, yes you're in god's country <laughs> in Pawtucket. I have to say, uh, my wife is an artist, and uh, not just because of her, but but certainly because of uh, other other items. We uh, she established a studio with a partner from Newport in the uh, one of Mars Nathanson's buildings. Uh, a very successful partnership that went on for twenty years, where uh, artists from all over Rhode Island came in and used their press. They were printmakers and pastel artists. Uh, and that drove a whole set of different artists into the city. And I, I can't help but say but we have great artists here. Gretchen Dow Simpson, one of the really great artists of the, of the Valley is here. She was a pioneer on Montgomery Street. I mean, people do that because they like it. They like the way they can get in and get out. They can get their work done. People in the city appreciate what they do. 
they are appreciated. Many places, artists are kind of like the downtrodden people, and they got long hair in the wrong place, and they keep the rents down. No, that's not this city. This city has been a welcome mat for artists, and Herb is, of course, one of the reasons why that's the case. But it's true. So art begets art seems to be the message. And we have another. I'm Deborah Siegel, a 35-year resident of this wonderful city. One of the great things about our school systems is that it has tremendous economic, racial, ethnic, and linguistic diversity. It's one of its strengths. Those are also some of the challenges. And I'm curious about your thoughts about how we can enhance the schools because obviously affordable housing, strong schools, livable communities builds a strong city. Ideas? I mean, I, I think I'd like to mention, too, that that's one of the fundamentals of making a strong community and that the city has been making significant investments in its uh, schools. Uh, the, the recent bond issue that was passed by the voters to, um, I think it was for $200 million, D- Dylan can correct me if I'm wrong with that number, um, is to invest in the, the school infrastructure. We also have um, recently renovated um, two of our, um, one of our elementary schools, one of our um, junior high schools. So I think the city recognizes that our school system um, deserves to be renovated and that that is the, um, basically the basis of the future of Pawtucket. Um, while we're also talking about the arts as well as the school system, Pawtucket is unique in that it is the only community in the state of Rhode Island that actually has an arts high school with the Jacqueline Walsh High School. So I think that this is something that we realize is that we're also looking to the, the, the future of Pawtucket in building upon that arts tradition. You do have some challenges, though. Uh, the test scores are not something you want to really brag about. And there's a divide between the socioeconomic background of parents and the economic achievement of children. Now, that's not unique to Pawtucket, let's be honest. But nonetheless, how are you trying to deal with some of those issues? And I'm wondering if the funding formula the state uses is really fair to Pawtucket. Well, I mean, this is probably a, a, an issue that's uh, going to take a lot more discussion, but I don't think that the funding formula in the state of Rhode Island generally is fair to, to urban communities. I do think that it perhaps could be adjusted so that there is more um, funding that goes towards the urban communities that do face uh, unique challenges. But I don't think so. I don't think that um, your zip code should be dispositive of what your your outcome is going to be educationally. Notwithstanding that, though, I think that our um, students here in Pawtucket are, are very successful, and that we do have a a good rate of of students who are actually succeeding. Uh, we also need to focus on other opportunities. You know, not everyone is uh, needs to go to college to have a successful career. I mean, I think we also have uh, we're trying to focus on advanced manufacturing. Uh, Herb has mentioned how we still do have a very strong manufacturing sector here in Pawtucket, but what's happening is a lot of the manufacturing employees are aging out. So we need to look at ways that we can actually bring new employees into the workforce and make sure that they're trained because it's not it's basically it's not your grandfather's uh, factory anymore. There's there's use of um, CNC and computerized uh, manufacturing equipment. So we've also been trying to work with our manufacturers, with the state of Rhode Island, and others to try to provide some of the training programs that are going to be uh, necessary um, to to really make sure that we have. Uh, the skilled workforce that's necessary. Yeah, your grandfather's manufacturers went to uh, the Carolinas, and now they're in Thailand. 
So let's see if we can get uh, someone else who'd like to step up. My name is Annie Talbot, and I'm also not from Pawtucket, so I'm probably the last person in the room that doesn't really know about the transit plan. So this is a question maybe for Gene. Well, now you know. Now you know. (laughs) Well, now I've heard about it. Or Dylan, but I just wondered if you could kind of give me the pitch, like where is it going to be? What's the vision? What's the timetable? What, do you have a commitment from the MBTA about how many times it's going to stop here, et cetera? Absolutely. The, uh, our, the city's uh, transit-oriented development district encompasses 150 acres between um, uh, Pawtucket and Central Falls. 80% of that is within Pawtucket. 20% of that is within the city of Central Falls. Uh, we do have a commitment. The DOT has assured us that this will be completed and trains will be running by mid-2022. Uh, construction has actually already com- commenced. Um, we expect to have, I believe, between 12 to 16 trains stopping every day from the, with the MBTA. So we do have that commitment. Um, in, in addition to having the MBTA stop, we are also, it's going to include a RIPTA bus hub. So this is actually going to be a transit, really a transit hub. Uh, so... What we're also doing with that is we're also um, identifying this as a transit-oriented development district. So the City Council of Pawtucket, as well as the City Council of Central Falls, are going to be considering new zoning that's also going to facilitate development within this district to try to um, make it easier for developers to work and to actually to work um, seamlessly between the two districts. So we all this is going to be a mixed-use district where we're going to have residential, commercial, and as well as to continue the um, manufacturing. And there's about 2 million square feet of underutilized or vacant space within that area. Thank you, Gene. We've got time here for one more comment, question from anyone in our audience here tonight. My name is Barbara Jareski, and I'm from the Preservation Society. And for the record, the Preservation Society is invested in the future of Pawtucket. We're not just stuck in the past. But I've heard uh, you, Herb, talk a lot about uh, the mill renovations. And so I think I'm just curious, can you give um, or any of you give an estimate of the mill and factory buildings that are still Uh, that still remain in Pawtucket, how many are either vacant or being uh, renovated? Is there a percentage that you could estimate? That's a good question. And let me me interrupt you, because my follow-up question is then going to be, of the renovation projects that are happening, how many of those are uh, residential uh, versus commercial? Okay. um, The only vacant mill that I know of is microfibers which is on uh, um, North Main Street, sort of dead ends at a mill in Pawtucket Avenue and uh, Main Street. There's a large 200,000-square-foot mill. That is that is uh, vacant. Uh, the company went bankrupt. Um, it had three or four locations around the country. And so anyway, I just really don't know of uh, too many mills. I know that there, what, there was a, a company that uh, uh, sold... Uh, the business to somebody, and they had a mill that uh, was vacant, and that's going to be turned into uh, residential. Um, about a um, maybe it's, it's eighty, ninety thousand square foot mill. Um, I don't know of too many um, vacant. Uh, well, actually, mills. 
I, I, I did just reference about 2 million square feet of vacant space, oh. so <laughs> if oh, I can kind yeah. of chime in on that. Um, within the TOD in particular, we do have a lot of vacant mill space. Um, some of it is partially occupied, so to, I guess to, to Herb's point. But what we did within the TOD district is we actually hired a preservation consultant to look at every single one of those um, mill buildings, which are within um, uh, a, a historic district. And they, he ranked those um, mill buildings um, by their historic significance. Some of those are in the process of being renovated. Some of them continue to be used for manufacturing purposes, and others are you know, largely vacant or partially vacant. So most of them are being um, identified for renovation to primarily residential or for partial, partial renova- um, residential and commercial use. But of those, I would say that we probably have about um, three properties that are actually currently um, either under the process of being renovation of being renovated or actually uh, kind of in the pipeline. Jack, would you like to have uh, one of the last uh, comments here? Yeah, if I might, I think I'd like to give you some sort of a timetable because I do think the tipping point is here. I think you all should be looking at what happens in this uh, Memorial Hospital site. I think that's very important. It's thirteen point six acres there, two locations. That's something that is really important to the city, whether it be still medical or not medical. But what happens and how does the city get involved is is, is terribly important. The second thing I'd just like to mention, uh, we've mentioned the river uh, several times today, and I think that's a very important part of what makes Pawtucket, Pawtucket. And if you go south of Main Street and you look at all of that available space from the state pier and on the other side, some of which is designated to be residential, we need to get that going. That has to happen. We have to have a place for all kinds of people in the state, in the city, those who can only afford the most minimum of affordable housing and those that can afford more. We need all of those people. We need that combined community, and that's a great location. Everybody wants to be on the river. They don't want to be by the sea anymore. They want to be by a river where they can be, where they can be protected. So I, so I urge you to look at that as that goes on. And the third piece of this, I have been in favor of having a large recreational facility in the downtown area for a long time, and I don't even have to tell you where I thought that might should go. Uh, but I'd have to say that there are places up and down the East Coast where a place like that has become the magnet for the rest of the community. Bridgeport, Connecticut is now going through a rehab of their of their existing minor league baseball team, not a stadium. It's a different kind of stadium, a different location and whatnot, but they are putting their dollars up front saying we're going to have this and it's going to demonstrate to the world that Bridgeport is a place where you can have raise a family and do other things. I hope you'll see that happen at some point in time. And I think it's terribly important, not only for the downtown, but just for the fiber of a community. We need that identification thing, and I think that's where it should go myself. Well, the final word from our lawyer. Thank you, Jack, with your great closing argument. I want to direct everyone to thepublicsradio.org, which is our website for anyone who missed any of the segments in our series, One Square Mile. You can listen to the whole thing. You can listen to pieces of it. We also want to take this moment to thank everyone again for participating 
in this conversation about a very important city in our community. That, of course, is Pawtucket. And we want to thank the Slater Mill, this wonderful museum of history. Thank the Slater Mill for hosting us this evening. We also have to give a big shout out and thank you to Gene Boyle, Herb Weiss, Jack Partridge for taking the time to join us here tonight on the panel. Make sure that you go to the publicsradio.org and thank you. You've been listening to One Square Mile Pawtucket, a community conversation. You can hear our series focusing on Pawtucket at our website, thepublicsradio.org slash Pawtucket. Public service journalism for Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts. This is The Public's Radio, 89.3 FM and HD WNPN Newport. We are also heard on 102.7 FM and HD WNPE Narragansett Pier, 91.5 FM WCBY Coventry Public Schools, and on 88.1 FM WELH The Wheeler School, Providence. Thepublicsradio.org. It's 8 o'clock. <laughs>